welcome to the Hormones in Harmony podcast. I'm your host, Vivian Allred, former chronic illness sufferer turned trusted health practitioner. My passion is helping people to identify and address the root causes of their symptoms through my online business, Viva Natural Health. If you're struggling with confusing or stubborn symptoms that just won't go away despite your best efforts, then you're in the right place. If I can heal from a long list of symptoms and conditions, including cystic acne, hair loss, severe food reactions, and brain fog, then you can heal too. Stay tuned for weekly episodes that share expert guest interviews, Q&A, and solo episodes that are all intended to help you wherever you're at on your healing journey. The information shared on this podcast is intended for educational purposes only, and is not designed to replace the advice of your health practitioner. That said, let's get into today's episode. Hello, welcome back to the podcast. Today I am repurposing an episode from my lovely friend Kat Horrocks' podcast, Put Yourself First, because it was just too good not to share with you and make sure that I got this information in your ears. I was interviewed by her in September of last year, and I really wanted to share this because it's a really nice recap on my health journey, how I managed to heal. We talked about foundational things when you're healing, so things like stress and sleep, the absolute foundations that you can't overlook. She wanted to know the top tips for gut and hormone health, and I shared one thing that you're probably not eating enough of. Also, the gut stress nervous system connection and how it's such a two-way street, how the gut influences the brain and vice versa because her episode is very like mindset focused and she doesn't really cover like the physical body too much. So that's why she had me on as like the resident nutritionist and we got back to basics. So if you want to learn about the gut hormone connection, the gut brain connection, all that good stuff, then this is going to be a really great episode for you and definitely check out Kat's work. I'll link everything in the show notes, but yeah, let's get into the episode. So hi everyone, welcome back to the Put Yourself First podcast and welcome to my friend and like long time coming guest but also like first guest in ages so like very exciting to be having a conversation with someone rather than just chatting to myself for, <laughs> for a change. It's Vivian, my lovely friend, amazing health coach and yeah we're gonna have some like I, th- I feel like so many women listening are going to find this conversation such a permission slip so validating so helpful so thank you for being well, thank here you. I feel honored <laughs> <laughs> and we're doing a little podcast swap so we're back to back recording today you're going to be on my show and yeah I just feel like we I, I think we found each other through Monica Yates's work initially yeah and then I realized I was like oh she's a fellow northern gal because there's people from like all over the world on that and so it's like I feel like I like her vibe I like what she's into and then I just carried on following you and I was like oh you live down the road like 30 minutes away it's perfect yeah I love that <laughs> yeah I know I always love connecting with a fellow northern gal and I think when when we reconnected earlier this year we just ended up like I feel like I was watching your stories you were watching mine and we just kept replying to each other and yeah. we were just like should we go have a lunch yeah and I loved that as well because I, I said to Adam I was like I don't feel like I've made a new friend in years 
and I feel like I've just made a new friend and I'm meeting Aww, her. <laughs> and she lives. so cute. <laughs> I do feel like it's harder when you're, I don't know if you agree, like when you get older, yeah. it was so much easier at school that I've lost touch with most of those friends. Mm. So it's a bit more challenging to make friends when you're an adult. But yeah. sometimes you have to just like, do you want to be my friend? Do you want to come for a coffee? Totally. I feel like I went through an intense period of like actively, right, I will have more friends <laughs> when I was probably in my early 20s, like between 22 to 25 maybe. And over the, and then I got to this place where I had these like beautiful, like really close tight-knit friends and almost like went the other way where I was like, oh, I'm good now. <laughs> no more. I can be a bit of a, not a hermit, but... I can be a bit lazy with like networking or like yeah, I feel like I'm the same. yeah, yeah. But yeah, I'm glad that I found you. Yeah, me too. So, I would love you to share a bit more about your health journey because I think it's easy, isn't it, to see someone who is a health coach and who is like absolutely thriving in their health and like has glowing skin and talks about all these cool like health uh, like I I love when I when I came around to your house last week you were like chatting to me about coffee enemas and all these health all these health things yeah like all these as soon as you walk through the door (laughs) but I think it's easy to see it's easy to see you now and think you've always been like that and you've always been a healthy person and had all these tips and known exactly what was happening in your body and been able to support yourself and that's obviously not been the case for you it's going to be further from the truth so I think giving everyone a background on where where you've come from with your own health is probably a great place to start do you want the long the long version or the edited dome I want whatever version you want to share today because there's some parts I don't think it's like 100% relevant and I don't want to like talk about these more in-depth things because some people's minds will be like do I need to listen to that so this is just my journey and what worked for me is it gonna work for everyone um but yeah I struggle with a lot of hormone problems um but then I later found out and I'll kind of bring this full circle but the hormone symptoms and the the conditions that I was diagnosed with like um, acne or hair loss like this special name telogen effluvium it was basically my hair was falling out because of because my body was so stressed and inflamed and I was diagnosed with PCOS polycystic ovarian syndrome which is on the rise not just from better diagnosis either I feel like that's a bit of a myth I feel like it is becoming more rampant as a most chronic health issues but I eventually found out that all of those things are still symptoms of a deeper problem I thought when I got those diagnoses that I'd got the answer I was like oh I have PCOS that makes sense that's why I do have the acne and the hair loss and um, I'm sprouting like chin hairs every other day and it was actually because um, of much deeper problems so I thought I got the answers but I would had to do a lot more work and a lot more digging um, to discover what they were so I always say that I was pretty healthy as a kid but looking back now, there were definitely some issues. Like I was prone to nosebleeds quite a lot. I would have a lot of um, travel sickness and vomiting. Uh, but in terms of food sensitivities and allergies and all of that, I was completely fine. I could eat anything and everything that I wanted to. And I didn't have the worst diet ever, but 
as I got older, as I got into like school years, I would frequently try to like sneak on the bus um, just to save the, the 50p at the time what it was just to get some like crisps after school um, or buy like a Lucozade the next day. So I just got a bit more unhealthy and I was doing like less sports when I left school and it did result in me just having less like muscle mass and I just had extra body fat at the time but I definitely wasn't overweight like I thought I was I Mm. found a picture a few years ago of it was the picture that I saw of myself where in the moment I was like that is disgusting I need to lose weight and it's a picture of like so happy on the beach in Florida um, with my brother and looking at it now there was nothing at all wrong with me um, I was completely healthy body weight, but my teenage brain was like, no, I cannot look like that. I need to start going to the gym. So that's what I did. I started going to the gym and I have a bit of a like obsessive personality. So when I get into something, I will like do it all day, every day. So I started going to the gym every single day, back to back classes, like body pump and abs and cardio and boxing, fit, all of that. And I also started to try and eat healthy. I, I wasn't trying to intentionally undereat, but the foods that I was eating just were very low calorie and very low protein and zero fat. All of these like snack, snack um crisp, like hundred calorie snack packs and to fuel myself after the gym, I'd have a chicken salad with just iceberg lettuce and plain chicken and think that was enough. So I ended up losing my period and I was about 18 at this point 17 18 and up until that I'd had a completely regular pain-free like zero problem period from the age of about 14 so that did set some alarm bells ringing and it was my mum actually she was more concerned about that problem I was like oh this is pretty good I don't have a period and Mm. I, I knew that my body was trying to tell me something but I was just so focused on the gym I was getting so many more compliments people saying I look so good Um, I was losing weight, but on the inside, I was an anxious mess. I started to develop skin issues. I lost my period. My hair started falling out. So for me, those other things were the the things that I was focused on, like the hair loss, the fact that my completely clear skin all throughout school started to break out. That was the thing that motivated me to go to the doctor, not the period stuff. But they diagnosed me with PCOS without asking any questions as to what change recently like why did this happen PCOS doesn't run in my family uh, I'd had hardly any doctor's visits up, to, up until that point so if they would have just asked me like what has changed how much are you exercising have you completely changed your diet recently maybe I could have realized then that that was the problem but I just thought I thought I had the genetics this whole time and I just developed it randomly mm. I didn't even put two and two together at the time I, I I didn't think that what I was doing was causing it. And actually the advice that they typically give for for PCOS is to do that, is to exercise more and eat less. Mm. So if I would have followed the mainstream advice, that was the complete opposite advice that I needed. So I didn't do that because I was hardly eating anything at the time. But the solution was to wait and see what happened which I wasn't going to do because I was just feeling worse and worse every month. Or option number two was to go on the birth control pill. So I ended up choosing that one. I I did actually feel at the time like it was pretty trendy to be on the pill, which sounds very, like, very stupid now. But it's like, oh, oh, I'm going on the pill. Like, all my friends are on it. And I feel like a proper woman. Like, I'm on this medication. 
um, these hormones. But that first pill like completely messed me up in a couple of weeks. I had really bad depression from it. Um, my skin was worse. My hair loss was worse. Everything was just amplified. And I was trying to persevere and push through it because I was like, no, this is going to fix me. And this is fine. I just was not listening to my body. But again, my mum, the woman who knows everything still, <laughs> she was like, this, you need to come off this pill. This isn't you. You've gotten worse. So she forced me to go back to the doctor and change the pill. And I just went on a different type. And this one was was more expensive for them. So it wasn't the the typical one that they they would prescribe but it was like a newer form and the brand name was Yasmin and there's another mm. one like Yaz. Now it's been, I think it's been like discontinued because it's got black box warnings and tons of lawsuits been linked to blood clots. Um, I actually had a, I think I had a, a blood clot when I was on it. I, I had like a scur when I was abroad and I had this severe leg pain and my leg swelled up and I had really bad cramps no, I know that that's a sign of a blood clot and with the pill that I was on at the same time, but sometimes that can travel into the pulmonary system, into the lungs and kill you. So that's what a lot of people died from. So I don't know what happened with myself, but that obviously didn't, that wasn't the case. But yeah, just really scary. And I was only on that second pill for two years and my health started to decline in other ways. At that point, my skin was clear. It it cleared up the breakouts, Um, my quote period, but it, it's not a period when you're on the pill it's just a, a bleed I was having a regular bleed and my hair loss it stopped falling out but it just never grew the whole time that I was on the pill I think I had in two years like two haircuts and um, I hardly ever had to shave my legs um I didn't have to pluck my eyebrows my hair just didn't grow properly and yeah. I again thought that's I'd rather it be like that than falling out but I think other things just started to happen like more anxiety more food sensitivities and I just didn't feel like myself anymore. And then I went to America when I was 19. So I thought everything was fine then. My main problems had stopped, but I continued with the excessive exercise and the dieting. Went to America when I was 19, working at a summer camp. And for that whole, was it like seven or nine weeks that I was there, I was trying to be healthy at the camp, which is pretty much impossible. All they feed you is pizza and chicken wings and pasta and all of this junk and I was trying to eat healthy so I would just have oatmeal in the morning and I'd just have like a little bit of meat and chicken and some salad uh, maybe a potato every now and again and I just was doing even more activity because I was I was over there being an aerobics and yoga instructor and I was in the intense heat the summer heat in Pennsylvania and it was just really bad and it was the recipe for adrenal problems and more hormone problems and then when I got home oh on that trip as well I got like severe food poisoning a couple of times I'm pretty sure I was bitten by a tick on that trip and later found out that I had Lyme disease after testing my own body because that would have never been picked up by the doctors either so when I got home that's when shit hit the fan and my health just declined rapidly I was reacting to every food couldn't even drink water without bloating up and I was I was still trying to eat healthy foods it wasn't like I wanted to eat McDonald's or junk food just vegetables herbs and spices fruit would bloat me bloat me up and I'd have things like hives migraines um, chronic fatigue um, the skin issues started back up again and that's when I was like something is seriously wrong 
I went to see a nutritionist myself who works in Manchester and she started to like open my eyes to this whole other world of natural medicine and healing and functional medicine and lab tests to, to see what's going on. And she taught me about the, the harmful effects of the birth control pill and how that was just masking everything. So with her support, I ended up transitioning off that. My period didn't return for two years after that because of how many deficiencies I had and just how disconnected my brain and hormone system was. And I did lots of testing, found out my, my thyroid was off. I had severe nutrient deficiencies. I had bacterial overgrowth, yeast overgrowth in my gut. I had two parasites that, that came back on lab tests. And I worked with her for a little bit and it definitely helped. And I ended up studying. Um, she ended up, she was the, the college director at the time. And I ended up studying at the College of Naturopathic Medicine because I was just obsessed with that at that point. I was like, this is giving me hope. I, I really feel like this, is, it just made, made complete sense to me when I looked at it, how, how food can heal you and how there's always answers, there's always a root cause. I was just getting nowhere with the conventional system. I would go with these severe digestive pains and I was losing weight rapidly at that point. I, I wasn't doing the dieting when I started to learn out about food healing you and all of that, but I was losing weight then because my gut was just so messed up that I wasn't absorbing my food anymore. And I went to the gastroenterologists and they were just so bad. Like I didn't even get any eye contact from them. They were just sat at the desk, backs turned to you. You get five minutes with them. He was calling me the wrong name the whole time. And I told him how worried I was about my weight and how I was, I couldn't put on weight no matter how much I was eating. And he he did my BMI, which I think is another flawed system. And he was like, oh, your BMI is 18.5. You need to be less than 18 to be considered underweight. I was like, well, I'm 5 foot 11 and I'm about two stone lighter than I have been my whole life. This is a problem for me. I don't care what your, your chart said, but he wasn't willing to give me any help. He would do a little feel around on my abdomen and he um he was like can you stop breathing in and I wasn't it was just literally my ribs with her and I, I told him at the time I was like I've been researching I went in with a whole file of articles and research papers and book uh, books that I've been told to read and I was like I, I really feel like I have this bacterial overgrowth in my gut and I've done this private stool test and spent hundreds of pounds myself and this stool test is showing bacterial overgrowth um, could I be referred for antibiotics? Because that is actually one of the, the treatments. It's, it's just quick and effective to get rid of it. And he said, everyone has bacteria in the gut. That's completely normal. And I was like, yes, but it's it's overgrown. They're like the bad types of bacteria and it's in the wrong part of the gut. So I just, I just knew I wasn't getting anywhere and it was actually making me even more upset. I would come out of every appointment in tears, just so angry. And so I just... For a long time, I just swung the other way and I was just completely against the medical system. And I was like, I've had a, such a bad experience and I was so very pro like herbal medicine and getting your answers in that. I, I have calmed down now and I've found a middle place because I've realized there's a time and a place for the surgical interventions, obviously. And the NHS is amazing for what we get, but it's also it's it's failing and it's being abused a lot of the time. And it isn't being used how it should be. It should be there for accidents, emergencies, life-saving treatments, 
but not these chronic lifestyle-driven conditions. And a lot of those can be prevented or even reversed with natural nutrition and all of that. So then I had been studying, so I studied for three years and the course was naturopathic nutrition. I learned so much on that too. I worked with other practitioners here and there, but I, I found that my own research was, was helping me more than what anyone else was saying because I was listening to my body, I was listening to myself and I'd work with someone for a little bit and find that I'd get to this like block and I just needed to go to the next level. So I'd just go deeper and deeper. For the first few years, I was just managing my symptoms very well so I started to do these special diets and it would help my skin or it would help my bloating but as soon as I'd stray from that my symptoms would come back so I was like this isn't normal I'm spending 300 pounds a month on supplements and I I have I'm feeling better I know that it's working but I feel like I it's just it's like a band-aid at the moment it's just keeping things simmering so if I was to stay up late one night or have a glass of like gin and tonic my symptoms would come back so it's like this isn't normal I'm not healed I'm just doing really good at managing things right now so it wasn't until 2019 so I was about 24 or 5 at the time when I was just getting like sick of it honestly because I've been having health issues for about five years then and I I was like something deeper must be going on still so I I was just online Googling, searching like I used to do all the time. And I started hearing over and over again about toxic mold exposure. I was like, hmm, because it was telling me that these allergic reactions and sensitivities that I was having to all of these foods could be as a result of toxic mold in my home. There was This was when I was living at home with my family. And it's like a very old house and um, built in the Victorian times so or like 1800s or something it was built. And there were no visible signs of mold, but I just felt something inside. Again, just tapping in to my intuition. I was like, something kind of makes sense. I'm going to look into this further. And about three times that week, I heard people talk about mold. Whereas before that, I'd never, maybe my reticular activating system wasn't switched onto it. But that week, and this has happened with like different books or podcasts or even things like the Yes Supply certification, which we've both done, like three people in the same week mentioned it so I was like I have to look into that so the same thing happened with mold I ended up going to a conference that talked a lot about toxic mold exposure and the health effects as part of that training we got a test to test our bodies and that test came back off the charts through the roof with so many of these like harmful mycotoxins which are mold toxins so then I I was already moving anyway so I was moving out into my first apartment in I was meant to be early 2020 but then it got delayed to summer because of COVID and everything and then it wasn't until I moved and I, I got out of that environment and I really started to work on detoxing that my health issues started to fully improve and not like just managing it really well like my body was truly healed and healthy at the cellular level but it's about three years later now and I still, I'd say I'm 95% better with my symptoms, but with how sick I was, I do think it's it, it's normal for it to take time. And that's a pretty realistic timeline for someone if they're struggling with like more complex cases like myself. So when I said at the start that some of these more complex things like the Lyme disease, the mold toxicity, 
that would not be something that you would jump into straight away. You would always do the foundational things like I did. So some people with skin issues, all they need to do is drink more water, eat more fiber, and they're good. They just need to cut out the junk food. But the we- the women that I work with, the people that I help now, that isn't them. They're already doing everything right. And I want them to just know that there are other things that they can look into if they've done all those foundational things like the sleep, the stress management, the moving their body, they're avoiding as many toxins as possible in the home. They're not using like toxic cleaning chemicals. If you've done all that and you're still sick, there are answers. But if you're listening to this and you're pretty new to the, the health and nutrition world, you would start with a lot of the basic stuff, which I can go more into today. But that's why I would say my, my hormone problems. At, at first, I was just doing things like seed cycling or I was mm-hmm. doing herbal medicine like Vitex or... I was doing things to to drop my testosterone, my my androgens, my male hormones that could be linked to PCOS. I was doing things to push that down. I was doing things to boost up my progesterone, but my own body should be able to have done that. I, I shouldn't need to interfere and kind of manipulate my body. It should just be naturally healthy. And I, I do think we need like a couple of supplements anyway to keep us healthy because of food like deficiency in the soil and stress I think we all need like one or two things but the amount of products I was taking and I was still severely nutrient deficient and it's because I had to do all of this work on my gut so yeah that's I I qualified from um, college in 2017 I've been practicing ever since started out my practice helping mainly just period problems women's health and then because of my own complexities it's gone a little bit deeper so I do help people with chronic fatigue and chronic skin issues now infertility um chronic pain all of that so it's it's kind of diversified a little bit more but yeah I feel like my my journey put me on my path and as hard as it was in those years I don't regret it and I learned so much and before all of this I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life I, I knew that I wanted to help people. I studied health and social care at college. I loved like at home being like the nurse when people were sick and going around and helping them. But I I wouldn't have known about all of this. I didn't even know this was a job that I have. I thought there was a dietitian and they just help people with diabetes in hospitals. But mm. it's yeah, honestly, like my passion now and I just love spreading this knowledge with people and giving people hope if they are struggling with hormone problems or more complex situations. Mm, yeah. I that was the long version. <laughs> Thank you for the long version. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> because I've obviously, you know, we've chatted quite a bit this year and like I've listened to your podcast and stuff, but I think it's really helpful to hear snippets and so much, like so much of that, so much of the snippets in there I know are going to resonate with women listening, especially what you were saying around, you know, the healthcare system, having a time and a place and how we are taught that it's like a pill for every ill. So we are conditioned in society to think, right, something is wrong. I need to make it not be wrong 
again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I need to make it go away. Yeah, we think of the, the doctors right. as being like these gods and they have all the answers. Yeah. And if they can't help me, then I'm just screwed. I'm just going to have to live with this. Or their word is is gospel, but yeah. they're taught in a specific way. They're taught to give you a diagnosis and then give you a medication for that diagnosis. So whenever I brought up diet, I, I'd ask them directly. I'd ask dermatologists and gastroenterologists, so skin and gut specialists. I, I notice a difference when I eat dairy products. Or I notice when I eat a takeaway, I feel worse. And they're like, there is no, they literally said there is no connection between your skin and your diet or your digestive issues and your diet. I was like, how does that even logically make sense? Mm. I would know as a kid, like when I eat something bad, my stomach hurts. <laughs> so for them to say that, I just think if they, if they were just honest and say like, we don't know, we recommend you look into this yourself. But the fact that they can be so against it and completely shut you down for you asking and just searching for answers. I think that's the problem. When they, when I mention things like homeopathy, they just completely close their ears because they they've been taught that that is just like witchcraft and it's just a load of rubbish. It's quackery. It doesn't work, and people are just conning you. When in fact, homeopathy has helped me a million times more than like true medications have. Mm, yeah, and is also like well why does your stomach hurt every time you eat dairy mm-hmm. because yeah, fixing that problem like you know it's like the same with gluten i feel like gluten and dairy again are so like demonized in mm-hmm. health like where it becomes trendy to like it's trendy to be vegan it's mm-hmm. trendy to then be you know everyone's now having oat milk everyone's now doing whatever but if something is genuinely causing you a problem, what I love about your approach is you're like, but why is it causing you a problem? Because it's one thing to be like celiac and like, oh, your body genuinely does not process gluten and you just genuinely feel better without it. But it's another that like, is it normal to have such severe reaction to something when seemingly you're not celiac or seemingly you know there's not an allergy there and so there's something underneath that like there's a reason that's happening rather than just like I guess the health and wellness version of a pill for every ill is like oh well just don't eat that and then magically like your life will be better Mm. and I just think we're sold either side of the equation like this extreme lifestyle change and what I love about what you share as well, and I've heard you say it on Instagram, is, you know, you shouldn't, you should not get to a point where you're like scared to eat and you've got like, you've got like a list of foods that you can eat that are like safe foods that aren't gonna make you bloated or like, you know, fuck up your period or whatever is happening, you know, make you break out. There is like that happy medium in the middle, but unless we're asking the right questions, we're not going to discover that. And people aren't empowered to ask the right questions. And even when they ask the right questions, like in your example, they're not given the fucking answer by the people who are supposed to be helping them with that. Yeah. And it really, it's such a slippery slope as well when you start cutting out the foods. Yeah. 
I think for acne and digestive issues, they're the biggest ones because you might you might be reacting badly to dairy um, and you might get more bloating when you've had gluten. And there is a time and a place for an elimination diet. So if you are reacting, sometimes we do have to cut it out temporarily, but it should always be with the goal of trying to reintroduce it back in because yeah. a healthy body should be able to tolerate a wide variety of foods. You think like imagine what we'd have would have been eating hundreds of years ago. We would have been like scavengers at one point, just getting our hands on whatever we can. We wouldn't have been like, oh, I can't eat that. Like, I can only eat a small serving, or I can only eat that every other day, because we would have had to have a um, tolerance. We we couldn't have been that sensitive to get to where we are today in humanity. But there is definitely a case for food sensitivities, and it's not. It's not black and white what doctors believe. You either have a gluten intolerance and you can never eat it again and you have celiac or an allergy or you're completely fine and you can eat it whenever you want. There is this big grey area in the middle and sometimes you do need... Like I had to cut out um, gluten from my diet because I do notice a reaction, but previously when I w- would have eaten a small amount, I would have had joint pain. Like My, my fingers would have swell- swollen a little bit so I couldn't get my rings on. Um, I just had like knuckle pain my knees would hurt I would have anxiety the next day so it doesn't always have to be the typical symptoms we think of either like you'd have to have diarrhea diarrhea immediately after after having gluten you can have two days later a bit more anxiety or low mood or joint pain or um, that month if you've eaten a lot of gluten your period could be really painful so it's it can be a delayed response so that's why it can be a bit more tricky to identify but in those cases i would still remove it from the gut remove it from the diet whilst working on the gut health so making sure that when we do enter it back into the body it's in a different environment because if you just cut the food out and then just bring it back in to the exact same digestive tract when you've not done any work you're still going to have that same reaction it's like if nothing changes nothing changes so if you cut it out, it does allow the, the gut lining to start to heal a little bit. Um, and you can get rid of food sensitivities. Food allergies are slightly different. So these are the ones that are IgE reactions. Most people have had them since childhood or they're very obvious. You have the throat swelling and the, the hives all over your face and the vomiting and severe pains. Whereas an intolerance or allergy, an intolerance or sensitivity, this is a more um, a less severe can be delayed reaction and it can manifest as skin issues, itchy skin, headaches, migraines, up to sometimes five days later after eating that food. So in that case, you would work on the underlying immune system problem because it's the immune system and the gut that's reacting to the food whilst removing it, give it a few months and slowly bring it back into the gut. And there are just some foods that people do feel better off. So I don't have a gluten allergy, but I do feel better not eating it on a regular basis but no when I have a little bit I feel absolutely fine I don't have any obvious reactions but it's still not something that I would eat on a regular basis because I know that if I do start bringing it back in um, combined with other stressors so if I'm going through a stressful time or um, my hormones are a little bit off then that extra gluten is just not going to be helpful to my body so I just choose to keep it out just to stress my body a little bit less so it's like a, a bit of a balancing act. Like when I was in Madeira, um, I went on like a hike and the, there was a woman in the, the little cafe, this Portuguese woman, and she was like offering everyone cookies. She didn't speak a word of English. And I had the cookie and I felt fine. And I wasn't going to panic and beat myself up or refuse 
if I didn't have if I if I didn't have like an actual problem with it and yeah it was fine but if I would have gone into that thinking what have I done I shouldn't eat this I'm gonna feel so bad later I probably would have done because I would have just brought that on because of mental stress you can definitely send yourself into a reaction but you can also do the same you can also go into that mindfully with gratitude and positive energy and really savor that cookie and enjoy yourself and tell yourself when you're eating it my body accepts this food my body knows what to do my body is resilient my body is healthy so I, I do a lot now with like mindset work around food fears because that was me at one one stage I was down to about 10 foods and I'd never been as ill in the whole journey I was doing I was doing the food elimination to try and find triggers but I just found that I was reacting to everything so the answer isn't just to cut every food out of my diet it was to I wasn't looking deep enough at the time. For me, it was the mold and Lyme disease, even things like parasites that were driving my severe reactions. But me just cutting out food group after food group left me with about 10 food, 10 safe food for years and years. I couldn't eat out. Um, I couldn't have any spices on anything. So it's just like plain chicken, plain Swede was one of the foods. Like <laughs> I don't even look at a Swede anymore because I'm like, oh, I'm gosh. not eating one of those ever again. <laughs> I have like PTSD from Swedes. Um, so yeah, for me, it was the, the more that I restricted, the more fearful, fearful I became. I wasn't fixing the underlying causes and I was just running into more nutrient deficiencies and I was making my body weaker and weaker because I just wasn't getting all of the nutrition and the diversity that I needed. So if I can help anyone today it would be to clean up your diet and obviously cut out the junk food and the processed food but if you are struggling with your skin or your periods or your bloating you want to be mindful of what you're eating if you eat something and you have severe stomach cramps and spasms or you have like a face full of breakouts the next day and you can directly correlate it with that and you've tried it multiple times and you know for definite it is that 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 food that's causing an issue then that's fine. You can temporarily eliminate it. But if you're getting to the point where you're just guessing and you're not sure and you don't have like clear evidence that it's a problem, it is probably best to keep it in and get further help so that you don't have to keep like narrowing down your diet because it just makes it so much harder even to introduce the food back in. If you keep removing, if you keep cutting stuff out, it makes it more difficult for your body to accept that food again because it just becomes like, hypervigilant and it sees everything as a threat everything as dangerous and you're eventually going to start to become intolerant to those foods mm. that you've you've narrowed yourself down to so if you haven't fixed that inflammation that leaky gut that fire that that problem then your body's just going to start to react to those foods and that's yeah really can be quite challenging um very depressing when when you're in it because i was such a foodie as well and I didn't even want to eat like the junk food. I, I didn't care about that. I just wanted to eat fruits and vegetables and I wanted to put some spice or olive oil on my food. And I, I was having reactions to the food at that point. Some of it was, I think, psychological and just become this like food anxiety. But I was actually having reactions to the food as well. So at that stage, sometimes people need to go into brain rewiring work and really focus on that. Um, to be able to tolerate foods and diversify their diet. And then I feel like it becomes like a snowball effect. The more that you diversify and realize that you survived, nothing bad happened. You you find evidence that 
you can do it, it's a bit more easy to to keep going with that. But it can also go the other way, like a slippery slope when you you're just desperate to heal and you just feel like food is the enemy when in fact food can be so healing and like beneficial to us, obviously. Yeah, yeah. One of my favorite ways to support detox are castor oil packs. They are an old school naturopathic remedy, which can gently help to open up detox pathways and process toxins like mold and environmental pollutants that many of us are exposed to. Signs of sluggish detox pathways or a high toxic load include headaches, bad breath, puffiness, histamine reactions, skin breakouts, and more. You could always try and make your own castor oil pack like I tried to for some years, but more recently, other amazing practitioners have created really convenient kits that just make the process way easier. They come with a tie around pack that you can put over your liver, which is under the right rib, also support more premenstrual issues like pelvic pain. You can tie the pack around your lower abdomen instead, so they're pretty versatile. My top recommendations are the Castavida pack on Amrita Nutrition if you're in the UK or Europe. Whereas if you're in the US, there's the Queen of Thrones pack by Dr. Marisol. Both of these are linked in my Instagram bio and in this podcast show notes. If you want to learn more about the benefits and the science, I actually interviewed Dr. Marisol. So you can check that out on episode 133 of the Hormones in Harmony podcast. And I really hope you love them as much as I do, but let's get back into the episode. Can we talk about, I'd love you to share a bit more about like gut health, stress and the nervous system Mm -hmm. and like how it's linked because I work a lot with stress and like trauma and the nervous system in my work like the mind-body connection and I think and and there's such a link between like the how you feel in yourself and your health and I just find it fascinating how your gut and your gut health is so heavily linked to like stress in your lifestyle and how that is a slippery slope and probably the answer to most people's questions around like why is everyone all of a sudden like struggling with all these things when the reality is not you know the majority of the women that I work with are dealing with stress in some form and like almost this I I describe it as like living in survival mode where their nervous system, their body is in a constant state of like fight or flight. Talk to us about why stress and that survival mode could also be like linked to poor gut health and how that like knock on effects then happens Mm -hmm. with especially hormones, which we'll chat about next as well. Yeah, so there's this two-way street. It works both ways. So when you're your mental stress is off or you have a history of trauma or you have these limiting beliefs or you have this fast-paced go-go-go lifestyle then that can affect the gut so it causes um, things like your peristalsis your gut motility to slow down the stress can directly lower the amount of good bacteria that you have which is your defense your defense system Um, so protecting you against things like viruses parasites, bacteria, that goes down. And the bad guys, the opportunistic bad bacteria, 
um, yeast overgrowth, fungus in our body, which we all have naturally, but they can start to proliferate. They start to overgrow when we're in this more stress depleted state. So we end up with more bad bad gut bugs, um, less gut bug, good gut bugs. Our motility gets messed up. So our food isn't moving through our gut properly, which can obviously result in constipation, but also diarrhea that can be like loose stools. You can still have motility issues with that because some parts of the gut, it's going really slow. And then the last part, it just goes really quick. Um, so yeah, don't think you don't have issues with motility just if you have loose stools. Thinking of like stressed out people as well, if they're also relying on caffeine to like oh, get yeah. through the day, they yeah. might need the That's caffeine. going to amp things like, up even more. In order to go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if you do rely on your morning coffee to have a bell movement, then you've probably got a problem. Like you shouldn't have to use something like that to have a bell movement. Yes. So yeah, just maybe do a little experiment and see see what goes on because some people are just it's just become this daily thing and they don't even think what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, our brain can affect our gut and that's why we get like the butterflies in our stomach when we're nervous. That's a classic example of how the brain affects the gut, but it also works the other way around. So when we have imbalances in our gut, like the bad bacteria, the yeast overgrowth, parasite infections, low stomach acid, leaky gut, that sends inflammatory signals and messages to the brain. So they've even shown this in research now that depression isn't due to low serotonin levels. And that's why antidepressants, they aren't actually effective. They are no more effective than placebo. So I am happy that people have found success with them and maybe in their life and some people it saves their life, but how much of that is a placebo effect or they have been shown to have more of an anti-inflammatory effect. That can be sometimes how they're beneficial um, in the system. So it's more depression, anxiety, mental health problems, even things like OCD and um, phobias, even just, just phobias that just don't make sense. They can be due to inflammation in the brain, which can stem from the gut. This is why just talk therapy or just trying to mentally understand your problems often isn't enough. And we have to look at what's going on in the the gut. So even when we were developing in utero, our gut and our brain came from the same tissue. So they started as one and then they just separated and they stay connected via the vagus nerve. So the vagus nerve is, um, I think it's the longest nerve or maybe the sciatic nerve. I think it's one of the longest nerves in the body but it stays connected so that our gut and our brain have this like bi-directional relationship so we were talking before i think we hit record um on how sometimes with my clients i am helping them like they've done therapy for 10 years they understand why they behave in certain ways or they understand the trauma that they've been through but they can't seem to have these breakthroughs and they can't seem to get to the next level. There's something still affecting their health. So when we go in on the physical body level and we start to improve that, they finally in their therapy sessions have this huge revelation and they can finally release this emotion that's been holding them back because you have to be able to physically detox to emotionally detox. But then it works the other way where I have some clients who they'll do anything that I say. They will take every supplement they will do the diet to a T. They will follow every recommendation, but they're still struggling. And it's because they're not addressing the mental stress, emotional part. So it it depends on where you're at. And most people, um, they're going to have a combination of both. Any symptom you're dealing with, whether it's a migraine or it's pain or it's 
depression, there's always a physical component. And I always believe there's an energetic, emotional stress component as well, whether it's like a small, quote, small symptom or something as complex and um, big as cancer or um, Alzheimer's, something like that. So there's always like an energetic component as well. So our, our gut is where a lot of our nervous system tissue is based. So we can't we can't isolate things out. And the gut is literally center of our body physically, but it's also the center of our health, like the epicenter of everything. So if there's a old Hippocrates quote, who's like the father of modern medicine, he said all disease begins in the gut, but we can go a step deeper and like it all begins in the nervous system. Because also you can't heal your gut if your nervous system's off. You can't heal your gut if you're still stressed out, if you're still holding on to this trauma. Um, you can make improvements, but for the true healing, um, something like chronic IBS could be you not feeling safe or not feeling secure. This whole like um, solar plexus center, it's all about safety. So people who move around a lot or, or, or have a job that they don't feel set and secure in or um, like they were bullied as a child, they don't have a strong family community then they can struggle with IBS. So like, I can do all of the gut healing in the world, but unless you heal that wound, that root, you're still going to be struggling. Yeah. So yeah, there's many different connections and things with hormone health. It can come back to gut health in so many different ways, but take something like PCOS again, polycystic ovarian syndrome. The, the causes of that are blood sugar irreg irregularities. So with blood sugar, we should be on this nice like, up and down throughout the day, goes up a little bit after we've eaten, comes down after we've eaten. Um, this can actually be applied to any hormone problem, something like endometriosis or PMS. So not just PCOS actually, but we should be on this nice like fluid, like little wave throughout the day with blood sugar. When we have gut problems, so when we have bacterial overgrowth, this, this term's called dysbiosis. So basically too many bad guys, not enough good guys the ecosystem's just a little bit off. Imagine this rainforest in the gut or this, this garden, there's too many weeds, not enough nice plants and flowers. So when we have that problem with too many bad guys, they can cause inflammation in our body and they can cause a lot of stress. And people think of stress as just work stress, financial stress, relationship stress, but there's this huge umbrella term with stress and it can be, it can be structural. So if you have imbalances with your spine because your posture is really bad and your head's like overhanging that causes a lot of stress on the nervous system like I had I realized uh, after going to a chiropractor I had a lot of imbalances in my neck and I was making it worse with my job because I was I, I realized when I was watching my zoom videos back my head was like right up front in the screen I was like oh god so I, I tried to remind yeah. myself to like sit back and make sure my neck's not facing forward when you're eating you want to make sure that your posture's nice so you're not like slumped over you can let your food move through but um yeah stress can be structural it can be um it can be unstable blood sugar your blood sugar's up spiking crashing all throughout the day that is stressful to the body that can literally send someone into a panic attack i used to have like crazy blood sugar swings um and i realized like if i ate something i felt better people mm -hmm. know about being hangry hungry and angry but they would never connect like the panic attack or the constant anxiety with unstable blood sugar all throughout the day 
Yeah. Another form of stress can be like spiritual stress or probably all the stuff that you talk about, emotional stress, all of that's very obvious, but it could also be having an inf- a chronic low-grade infection in your body. So if you have parasite infections just under the surface, it's not causing life-threatening reactions every day, but it's just it's like having 50 tabs open on your iPhone. It's just going to drain the battery. It's just going to steal your nutrients. They love things like minerals. They love your magnesium and your iron. So they just rob you of all of that, that good stuff. Um, and another stress could be eating gluten and you are sensitive to it. That could be a stress. So I, I look at it from all different angles in the body. But um, yeah, if you have hormone problems, then you want to look at basically everything else before the actual hormone problem. If you think of an iceberg, the tip of the iceberg, what you see and what you focus on are things like PMS, my periods are really heavy, um, my breasts quadruple in size before my period, I'm a complete bitch, my mood's like all over the place. Those are the things that we focus on, but that's the tip of the iceberg. What we want to look at is under the surface, these huge um, factors like your gut health is a huge one. Um, Another way that gut affects hormones is through detoxification. So once we use a hormone like estrogen, it needs to be gotten rid of properly. If it's not, it actually becomes more like a toxin. It just recirculates. Our body doesn't need it once it's been used to build the uterine lining. It needs to get out of the system. It doesn't want to be lingering, hanging around, floating around, causing issues. Um, So our body sends it to the liver. The liver packages it up. It gets sent to the bowels and it should come out through our poo, basically. So if we are constipated or some people have this bacterial overgrowth in in the intestines that kind of get that estrogen parcel that package and sends it back into circulation so imagine it like a nice little ribbon with a bow on it from the liver gets into the bowels ready to go these bacteria get at it open up the package and allow the estrogen to recirculate Um, and then the final way that gut can affect hormones is through nutrient deficiencies so if we have parasites and they're stealing our iron or our magnesium or we have low stomach acid and we're not absorbing zinc or calcium properly, then we basically don't have the building blocks to make hormones properly. So we need nutrients to make hormones, use hormones and get rid of hormones. That's a a very energy and nutrient intensive process. It requires a ton of vitamins, minerals, amino acids from proteins, cholesterol from healthy fats. So if our diet's limited and we're not intaking enough because we've we're trying to be like super healthy or we've restricted our diet so much that we're down to 10 foods, then we're not even going to get enough in or it's just that our absorption's off and we have bacterial imbalances and all of these other problems that often go together. Like if you have bacterial overgrowth, you're probably going to have leaky gut. You're probably going to have parasites. Um, So it doesn't really matter what the exact problem is for a lot of people. Most people have a little bit of everything, but we also need to fix that problem so that we start absorbing our food better. When my gut was, there was a point where my gut was like really unhealthy, um, but I was eating a ton of organic food. Like everything I ate was organic, the best meat, the best veg in the world. I'd spend hundreds and hundreds of pounds every month on my food and my supplements. So it's a very expensive process, but I tested my nutrients and I was still depleted in literally every nutrient. I was like, this is ridiculous because I'm trying so hard, but at that point, I hadn't done any deep work on my gut. I was more just 
oh, let me take this probiotic or let me take this, um, let me do this restrictive diet and get some short-term relief, but not actually getting like long-term success. Yeah. I just, I find like the gut health stuff so fascinating because because of the link with like trauma, stress and mental health. And I've noticed a massive difference this year in like the most basic shit, like eating more protein and like eating protein, fiber, you know, veg, Mm -hmm. like before eating like a refined carbohydrate or like a bit of chocolate or whatever it might be and not going on that blood sugar roller coaster like you were saying like where if I if and when I do that I do notice like I might feel more anxiety the irony is that in society again like we're conditioned as women to be like oh like you have a shit period or like you have really bad period pains or periods of shit like go and eat loads of chocolate like Mm. feel better yeah and I've totally been on that like vicious cycle in the past where yeah like the food I'm eating is making me more anxious but it's like as soon as I realized that and learned about it I couldn't unsee it in the same way that like someone who starts doing meditation every morning it's like before feeling stressed out in the morning was like they're normal and then when they don't meditate, they're like, oh, now I feel stressed. Oh, wait, maybe I just always <laughs> felt stressed before I started doing meditation. <laughs> yeah, I see these like on TikTok, um, people, these like perfect, seemingly perfect boyfriends who go to the shops and get the, there's one who like makes the girlfriend this like gift basket every month for her period. Um, <laughs> yeah. And he puts like candles in there or like a DVD in a book. I'm like, that's cute. But then he puts in like, Ben and Jerry's ice cream and like this huge galaxy bar of chocolate I'm like that's not actually going to help her or it might give her brain a little bit of a dopamine hit but then she's probably gonna have more pain in her cycles she's probably it's just going to drag it out for longer that's going to impact your next cycle because everything has a knock-on effect too so it's fine having some chocolate and a piece of cake every now and again but you can do little things like you said um, maybe go for a walk afterwards or if you're doing a strength training session in the morning can you time your little cupcake treat after that just so your body can like use the sugars better and someone once commented when I said some of this stuff they're like that's so disordered I was like it's not because I'm doing this out of a place of compassion for my body and my metabolism struggles a little bit more than maybe yours does but I I do these things so if I went to a restaurant I would make sure to to have like a um I'd have the serving of vegetables I'd eat the protein first I'd eat the carbs afterwards I'd go for a little walk afterwards I'd try and get in a workout that day not out of a place of trying to burn off the calories and trying to support my body and be just smart with it because I, I know what the impacts of that is um there's also this trend in the the wellness world that I want to talk about with intuitive eating in some ways, it's like really beneficial, but in other in other ways, like that would have never served me early on in my health journey. Because if I was listening to my cravings, I would be eating sugar and stuff that my body was sensitive to all day, every day. 
I'd be like, oh, I want a cupcake now. Oh, I actually want this. And I was on such a blood sugar roller coaster and I had such a candida yeast overgrowth in my body that they they were the things that were craving the sugar and it was actually making me worse. So now I can intuitively eat because I don't have them problems. But I also, there's also like your, I don't know if it's like the ego or something, but sometimes I think I'll want something, but I'll eat like a steak and some potatoes first with some like butter and vegetables. And I'm like, I actually didn't want that. It was just like, I thought I was missing out on something. And my body was like maybe craving a little bit of a dopamine hit again. And what I actually needed was protein or maybe to drink a glass of water or maybe to like listen to my emotions in that moment. What am I actually needing? Yeah. Not just reaching for the cupcake because that's what we're told to do when we're sad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I like, I've been on a whole journey with that, that I've like documented on the podcast on solo episodes where, yeah, like, oh, I've had a stressful day or I've had a difficult situation in work or whatever. Oh, how convenient. All of a yeah. sudden, I fancy some chocolate. <laughs> or I fancy, <laughs> Any excuse. Yeah, like for someone else, it might be, oh, I fancy a glass of wine or whatever it is. And it, I think we've... And it's like finding that happy medium again, isn't it? Where it's not about never having these things and being really strict and blah, blah, blah. But it's also like is it coming from a is the decision coming from a place of love and like is it like how I would describe it is like is it a soul craving Mm. like is it going to make your soul happy or is it like your your fear and that survival response that fight or flight like anxiety brain just needing like something in that moment to norm or to feel better yeah if I'm at a restaurant now and they'll have a cheesecake on the menu if I'm really in the mood for it and I've I've nourished my body with the the other the other meals and I choose to have it sometimes I also just want two bites of it sometimes yeah. there'll, there'll be a point where I'll have like two bites and I'll feel like that's okay like I'm good I don't want any more but I'll feel like I have to finish it and it actually makes me feel worse on the other end where I could have just like boxed it up taken it away or shared it with other people but I just I think because the food is like addictive as well that combination of sweet and fatty and salty uh, our primitive brains just see that as like stock up now on as much food as you can because food could disappear at any point we're still in that very caveman brain uh, where we see these like bright colors and like with Pringles once you pop you can't stop it does hit senses of our brain that leave us wanting more but yeah, if there's a, a day that you really want that cheesecake dessert and you want to finish the whole thing, that's great. If you can support your body and do some of the things that I mentioned before and just enjoy it and, and like taste it and just be in the moment and be really present. Don't beat yourself up afterwards. You don't need to like skip the next meal just because you've eaten that. But also when you're doing that, listen to your body. And if after two bites you feel okay, then you don't have to eat the rest of it. Um, I was like growing up when I'd eat with my my nan she was like never leave any food on your plate and I was like full mm. to the brim and um, so I just feel like there's some people that just really don't like food waste so I'm one of them but just with serving sizes and everything you just need to listen to your body more and I really struggle with that early on in my health journey because I think we're taught to not listen and we're taught to outsource our health to other people and my 
my intuition was very clouded and affected for so long because my my brain just wasn't functioning properly. But now I've I've really noticed over the years as I got physically healthier, my intuition and my spirituality and my like even things like witchiness and my dreams and my premonitions have started to come back online again. I, I lost a lot of my powers when I was um when I was really sick. So it's just really interesting to see like as you support your physical vessel, you can actually be more tapped in and more more spiritual. Mm-hmm. Love that. <laughs> I feel like a really great place to start wrapping up is like some really practical next steps that are gonna help like most people listening and I know I know if someone's listening and they're actually they're really struggling with their health on a daily and weekly basis like they need to just come and work with you to find out the root cause but for everyone let's talk about some practical like things that you find are really beneficial for the majority of women so let's start with like three to five things that are really a really like daily habits and almost like shifts that you've made in your day-to-day that have benefited your health the okay, most cool. as a woman I have about a hundred so hormones, <laughs> health, like okay that kind of overall stuff yeah so I'd say um my morning routine is a big one so this is starting my day with how I mean it to go on so if I start I I used to wake up with anxiety like as soon as I opened my eyes my heart would be racing and I didn't even have a stressful job or anything this was purely physiological so with anxiety it can be something external something that you're not um coping with or a relationship problem or anything but mine was like the fact that I had parasites severe magnesium deficiency it, it was just taking over my body but yeah the the morning routine is a big one um I start with like gratitude or journaling and switch it up depends on how I'm feeling meditation but I think when you start your day in a calm way it really makes a huge difference especially to your digestion so there's some people and I used to be like this when I was studying because it was just a whole day um like nine till six I and I'd have to travel into Manchester so that's like an extra hour with travel and because I was on such a restricted diet at the time, I had to prep a ton of food. So I was up really early. I feel like the whole morning was just really stressed. And I would often be constipated that whole day just because I mm. didn't have a relaxed, slow morning that I really needed. Um, so I feel like starting your day in a calm way, whatever that is for you, but you can do things like visualization, EFT tapping, you can do uh, meditation, you can do some journaling. But even if it's for five minutes, breath work, whatever, starting a date on a calm note, I think that's really important. Um, Next thing would be getting daylight into your eyes as soon as possible. So opening up your curtains, your blinds. And if you can, just stand, if you don't have an outdoor space, like just stand at your window as it's open for five minutes. Or if you do have a garden, can you go and like stand outside in your dressing gown, in your slippers and just have the lights come into your eyes you don't want to directly stir at the sun but that is so regulating to your hormone system your body clock your circadian rhythm as it's called so we as women are on a average 28 day cycle so we're very influenced by the sun the moon the light the dark and that's why 
a lot of women tend to cycle, have the ovulation around a similar time or have the period at a similar time of month. And it's because we're very influenced by that. So getting light first thing from the sun instead of our devices and our iPhone light directly glaring in our face, that blue light is very strong. Um, and even if it's a, a winter's day and it doesn't look bright outside, that spectrum of light is still there. And it's the exact spectrum of light that you need at 7, 8 a.m. to trigger certain hormones. So if you have like many light breaks throughout the day, because the, the light that's coming off your iPhone or your laptop is like the same, it's constant all throughout the day. It's probably like light at 2 p.m. So if you wake up and the light that you first get in your eyes, you scrolling on Instagram, it's kind of telling your brain it's the middle of the day. So you're going to be producing the wrong hormones. Certain ones aren't going to be activated. Certain ones aren't going to be shut off. And if that carries on throughout the day, our cortisol, our, our stress hormones should be lowering as the day goes on. It's normal for it to be high in the morning to get us out of bed, give us that energy to get up and go. But then as the day goes on, it should dwindle. Um, but again, if you're looking at your phone till 10 o'clock at night, you've still got that bright light in your eyes that's telling your body it's daytime and to produce cortisol. This is where sleep issues come in or just the quality of your sleep isn't going to be good. Because if you're waking up tired, that's a sign that your sleep's quality is bad. Even if you've been in bed for 10 hours, the you, you need to wake up feeling refreshed. So getting light breaks throughout the day from the sun, just standing outside. If you have a phone call to make, can you go outside or just stand in your garden? Um, or if you work in an office, can you just go outside for five minutes for a little break? People who smoke, they can go outside. So can we just go out for a little light break instead of a, a cig break? and then i'd say with meals um the blood sugar balancing is really key so what you said protein um healthy carbs healthy fats in there but i think protein is one that people overlook a lot and it really needs to be emphasized more specifically animal protein i'm not a fan of um, vegan diets vegetarian it can be better because they can get sources from dairy and eggs but i feel like vegan diets are problematic and I, I do feel like they're dangerous because most people don't do them. Um, they're not even planning them properly. Properly, And I do feel like there's, well, there are nutrients in animal protein that you just cannot get from plants. Um, things like cholesterol, things like retinol, which is vitamin A. It's not the same as beta carotene from carrots. Um, they're completely different. So I believe a healthy human body should have some animal protein with vegetables and with the plant proteins if you want them. But I, I do see a lot of people running into health issues and I feel like it's going to be more obvious over the next few years yeah um, unfortunately everyone, when everyone's yeah obsessed with like yeah, yeah. oat milk I know. Oh, God. Now. Yeah. please avoid the oat milk I drink raw <laughs> milk so it's straight from the cow and my health has never been better I did have to come off dairy for for ages because I was reacting to it but now that I've healed my gut my body loves dairy and it actually clears my skin whereas before it caused acne mm. and there's a big difference with quality so I'd say buy the quality stuff whatever you have access to whatever you can afford it's worth putting in that extra bit of money for the quality because there's a big difference between like semi-skimmed Cravendale milk the one that you can just get from the supermarket versus a raw organic uh, milk from a local farm they're just I feel like they're completely different foods the raw milk is more like a living food. It has the probiotics, the enzymes in. It's how nature designed it. Um, the pasteurization process just gets rid of 
all of that stuff and that's what makes it more allergenic for a lot of people it's like the body doesn't recognize it anymore um but yeah i would much prefer someone doing cow's dairy even if it's the the less lesser quality kind i'd still rather that i'd still rather someone eat non-organic chicken than the beyond meat burgers i just don't even recognize that as food and your body probably won't either i'd say protein you want to be aiming for probably minimum 100 grams a day honestly which might seem a lot um but with the people that i'm working with they just feel so much better it helps with muscle muscle growth um, which is one of the best things for regulating your metabolism your longevity even as you get older you, you need more muscle on your frame for protection against injuries and falls and um, cognitive decline a lot of people just feel way more satiated like if you're struggling with sugar cravings if you just go and eat like a big serving of protein like a big steak or some chicken thighs then or like three eggs i'm sure that that craving is going to be gone so just give that a go especially at breakfast if you're just eating one egg or two eggs and a piece of toast then that's still not enough you want to be aiming for about at least 30 grams of protein per meal so you can do some like simple tracking. There's apps like MyFitnessPal these days that help you see. If you are triggered by numbers and tracking, then that's fine. Just just go off. Like each meal has a good serving of protein, whether that's chicken, turkey, beef, fish, eggs, seafood, um, dairy products, any of that stuff. When I was starting to track my protein again, I started by just putting the actual protein number in my notes app in my iPhone. Mm. Because at the okay. time I was like, I don't yeah. give a shit how many yeah. calories I'm eating. I just want to make sure I'm eating, like you were saying, 100. For me, it's like 100 to 120 mm-hmm. grams. So yeah. that's a good tip for anyone listening if you don't want to be looking at calories. And that um, goes up if you are, yeah. if you're working out as well, your needs will increase even further. Um, so I'd say absolute minimum, like if you're really petite, tiny, five foot, really slender, um, maybe 80 grams might be enough for you. But like for me, I'm 5'11", I am strength training like three to five times a week. Um, I'm looking to build muscle and support my metabolism. So I'm like, some days it's like 150 grams of protein, honestly. I can, and uh, like calories, I feel like calories are, they're important. I think a myth in the holistic world as well is like calories don't matter. Well, they do because at one point I was eating like 3000 calories unknowingly and it was all from like coconut oil. I was just putting butter and oil and olive oil and almond butter and everything that I was eating and they do add up, but they're also not the only important thing. So there's these PTs online that say, if you're not losing weight, it's because you're you're lying to yourself and you are eating more. You're cheating, you're doing something wrong. You must be getting extra calories from somewhere. But those people are often struggling with their thyroid and Calorie is, calories in versus calories out doesn't apply to them because the hormone system is off. Um, but it, it's not just calories don't matter at all then. It can't just go the other way. They're, they're important, but it's not the only thing that I'd consider. With clients, if if the main thing working with me is weight loss, um, I'll happily support them. If, if it is an actual problem, they're not just struggling with like, body image issues or they think that they should be the same weight as what they were when they were 15 i'll really help to unpack is this really in alignment is this what you really want or is this something deeper but i will happily help them with the weight loss goals and we will do all of the foundational things and 
often by not even focusing on the weight loss, it, it happens as a side benefit. So we work on the gut health, we work on the minerals, we check the thyroid first, and then the weight often just comes off effortlessly without even focusing. But there are some cases where that still doesn't work and we have to go deeper. Maybe we do have to like look at macros or we do have to look at calories, but that's less common actually. But that's what, what people usually start with. Yeah. So yeah, there is a, a way around it is by focusing on so focusing on weight loss holistically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So morning routine, mm-hmm. light on your eyeballs in the yeah. morning, preferably outside. Yeah. Blood sugar balance specifically, protein. like protein increase. Fiber. Um, then I'd say like movement is important, but that's another thing that doesn't mean the more the better because exercise is another stress so if you're already stressed if you've had a completely crazy work week there's stuff going on in your personal life you've just recovered from a virus and then you're trying to like kill it at the gym at 5 a.m that workout probably isn't going to benefit you I would rather you have an extra hour in bed honestly yeah for that phase that you're in at the moment even around your menstrual cycle you don't have to do the same thing every day with your workout you can be more cyclical with it. You can listen to your body. If you've had a really bad night's sleep the night before, you don't have to do that same workout that you had planned um, because it might actually backfire and you're probably just going to cause more stress. You might injure yourself if you're not listening to your body. Um, But I actually, I was going the other way and I was like procrastinating and not going to the gym for a little bit because I was like, oh, I'm starting my period in like 12 days. So... (laughs) I'll just not push it uh, or like my I have an aura ring so I track my recovery and everything and if yeah. it's like very slightly low I was like oh I, I need to rest today yeah so I yeah. had to do some mindset work and I was like no I'm just being lazy um, <laughs> let me actually tap in and I actually did some like techniques on that I think I did like a swish pattern technique where I saw myself going to the gym and felt how good I was going to feel and since that I've been like so motivated to go and I just love working out now so there is a nice fine line with that as well, where sometimes you just have to be real with yourself and listen to your intuition, but also know that we have this like little protective voice in our head that wants to keep us small and keep us a little bit lazy, a little bit safe. And um, so we have to like push outside of our comfort zone sometimes. Yeah. yeah. And even like weightlifting in the gym is a perfect example of how like every weightlifting session can be different. Mm-hmm. And I can do the same exercises, you know, three, four days before I'm due on my period than I've done the week before. And it'll just be the case that the week before I might push myself more Mm. to lift, to add some more weight onto the barbell. A few days before my period, I'm not pushing myself to do that. I'm not saying, oh, you need to hit a fucking PB or whatever Mm -hmm. that week. So this even like within your workouts, it can be more gentle, can't it? Like yeah, you don't compared to what I used to do, it feels like I'm doing nothing now. Like when yeah. I go to the gym now, I can be in like half an hour. Um, I'm not sweaty at all, but I've like worked my muscles. Whereas before, I would be in minimum one hour. I'd have to be red face, sweating, absolutely exhausted for it to be considered a workout, which is yeah. just like crazy to me now. Yeah. I, I hardly ever do workouts like that anymore. And I'm fitter than I've ever been. Yeah, love that. Yeah, I'd, say, I'd say the movement, even with some of my clients, I'd rather them just go for a walk outside. 
because then they're regulating the nervous system. Walking is still like an amazing workout as well. Um, you're getting the sunlight, the fresh air. Um, bonus points if you can do it without headphones or listening to anything and just clear your head at the same time. Um, or even like lower impact things like Pilates. Like, I'm a huge fan of that now. Um, some people, yoga is a good starting point because that com- combines the spirituality, the mindfulness practice at the same time. So I'd say movement is a big one. Try and move your body every day in some way, but also listen to what you're enjoying and what feels good. And you don't be afraid of switching it up. You don't have to stick to this like rigid plan every day. And then the final one I'd say is um, about environmental toxins and just be mindful of what you're, not only what you're eating, but what you're using on your body and in your homes. Because a lot of these chemicals found in skincare products, deodorants, pesticides from non-organic food, the hormone disruptors they're called endocrine disruptors and they are microscopic so we can't see them but they enter in through our skin or through our food and they interfere with our hormones so sometimes they can block hormones or sometimes they can proliferate and stimulate hormones so this is part of the reason that conditions like infertility are on the rise um is because yeah this is happening like at such a tiny level but it it affects us systemically. So some of these ingredients might have even been studied in isolation, but they've not been studied when combined with 50 other ingredients in the same product. And so they'll say, this this is fine. This doesn't cause cancer. They might have studied it for five years, but who knows what's going to happen after 50 years of exposure combined and when it has this synergistic effect with all of these other toxic ingredients. So some of them are man-made. Some of them are natural with, with my history and the mold exposure, that is considered a toxin. And yes, it is natural, but it was unnatural with the fact that there'd been water damage in the home and that level of mold should not have been in my living space. And it was completely invisible. It was under the floor of the house, um, under the crawl space, a pipe had burst, hadn't been dealt with properly. We kind of forgot about it. And then everyone in the house started to get sick in their own ways. So these sneaky little things is why I'm a huge fan of air filters in the home. Even if you don't think you have a problem, you want to be preventative and you just want to do everything that you can to avoid that. So it cleans the air of all different things like pollen even. So if you struggle with allergies, hay fever, um, and just everyday pollutants that's in the air. They've done studies now even with indoor air being more toxic than outdoor air because of our furniture and off-gassing and our mattresses fascinating when you said that because Mm -hmm. we live on a main road so I'm like I would have kept our windows shut like during rush hour thinking oh there's pollution coming Mm -hmm. in but now like after following you I'm like every morning (laughs) every single window in the house yeah you can you maybe you can time it so maybe rush hour you keep them closed but the rest of the day when it's a bit quieter just let the air circulate let the air flow um yeah it's down to things like even modern day buildings how they're designed the lack of airflow how they're how they're so energy efficient they're just keeping everything tightly and the the buildings can't breathe properly like they used to be able to so that yeah that's just opened my eyes to like a whole like a, a building <laughs> expert now after everything <laughs> that i've had to learn um but i'm definitely not um and yeah just things like water filters 
invest we were talking about that when you came to mind like water filters are a huge thing as well we should be drinking ideally liters of water like two three liters of water a day so if you're drinking water that's got fluoride in or chlorine um or residue from medication so mm. those things don't get filtered out so all the women in, in the uk um on birth control pills or antidepressants they're urinating into the toilet that water gets cleaned up as well as it can but it doesn't filter out medications so we're having trace amounts of those things every single day so i think feel like the foundations of health are clean air clean food and clean water and if you can clean those up as best as you can you're going to be pretty pretty good but it, it takes time i don't expect people to completely detox the house and throw everything out and buy fresh it will take time mm. it'll just be next time you need a new deodorant can you buy one that's not got aluminium in there that's going to clog your pores up and add this like fragrance into the body that is cold word for chemical basically the, the word fragrance unless it says from a natural source is cold word for over three thousand different things that it could be yeah. so it's a pretty pretty scary world and it is worse in other countries like america compared to the uk is really bad for for regulations uk is a little bit better but still not enough i, I don't think mm, yeah you've just answered my last question which was going to be like do you recommend like small swaps like one thing yeah. at a time yeah Probably, yeah absolutely it depends on think... someone's personality some people like i'm an all or nothing person let's <laughs> just totally do it me. let me just <laughs> donate everything to like a food bank or a charity yeah. and i'm like go for it because yeah, yeah i really don't like waste so i don't want people being wasteful and just getting rid of everything in the bin but um yeah some people are just like I've been sick for so long. Let me just do everything that you're saying and they'll mm. they'll stick to it to a T, whereas other people they need like little small swaps. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I've worked really hard on like food, but done nothing with like products, like skincare, mm. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So Yeah, and some things like your steps. if you're washing your shampoo out after 10 seconds, that's less important than a moisturizer that you're slapping all over your body yeah, and like that's soaking into your skin. Whatever. So you can yeah. just like pick your battles. Like for me, I'll still wear like a bro, bro pencil, bro gel that's like glossier. It's completely conventional, but it's because it, it works and I, I've not found a more natural one that is better. But the rest of my makeup is pretty like clean, non-toxic. So if you've got one product that you absolutely love, then don't feel like you're doing something wrong. Like just yeah. clean up all the other stuff. And it's about your overall toxic load, your toxic bucket. Like sometimes I'll get my, I'll get a lash lift. I'll get my eyelashes done. And like, that's not the most natural thing in the world, but I do so many other positive things that it's kind of like all balances out. And I, I don't want to be this perfectionist person because I, I've been at the point where I've been so restricted and it's so depressing and made me so unhappy that now I can I can tolerate these things. I just want to live and I'll have a few drinks every now and again and I'll 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 enjoy it. I'll feel good. I won't wanna like purposely get drunk anymore because that just makes me feel bad and I don't want to do that to my body. But it doesn't have to be that I don't ever drink alcohol again. Like there's a, a middle ground that I like to live in. Yeah, love that amazing thank you so much for You're sharing welcome. thanks for having tips. me and uh, yeah I I feel like my philosophy and approach is like one thing nail that thing then add in another thing so 
I just think if anyone listening is like, oh my God, there's so many things that I want to do. There's so many things I've picked up. My recommendation would be re-listen to this and maybe jot down in your Apple Notes app um, or Android equivalent what like has jumped out to you that you want to change and then one thing at a time. Yeah. You know, one that off, box that off and then on to the next. Yeah, yeah, love I'd that. Agree. Vivian, please, will you share how people can find you, how they can work with you at the moment? Um, This podcast is probably going to be coming out in the next couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. So if you've got, I know you've got a group program coming up and then you've also obviously got one-to-one work. So Mm -hmm. let us know more info, next steps. Yeah. So my website is vivanaturalhealth.co.uk. So that's V-I-V-A Natural Health. Same with Instagram, at Viva Natural Health, Facebook, TikTok, if you're on there. And I have a podcast, so Kat's going to be on the podcast. I'm not sure if it's going to be out this month, so just keep keep an eye open. Um, that's called Hormones in Harmony. So I talk about all of these subjects in just way more detail. So morning routines and stress management and movement and the protein side of things, if you want a deeper dive into all of these things I've touched on today and you can listen to the podcast i've got years of episodes on there i think we're up to like almost 200 which is crazy and working with me so yeah there's going to be a group program and yeah if the space available i would love to have you on there and then for one-to-one work um that is my root cause relief package that'll be us working together closely for six months which is a really good amount of time. The, the group is six weeks. This is six months. So it depends on, do you just want to like put, step your toes in or do you want the, you've done all of the other groups and you just want that personalized support and the lab tests, then the root cause relief package is going to be the go-to. So I can send you the links, Kat, and you can put them in the show notes and people can just click if they're interested. Yes, amazing. I will do. And I'll be sure to share my episode when it comes out on yours as well mm-hmm. oh yeah yeah we can yeah. definitely do that so yeah yeah um thank you so much I'm already like right you need to come for a part two because <laughs> I feel like I've asked questions that I want other people to know and I'm mm. like what? Still what about this? so maybe we need to do a part two but oh, yeah, absolutely. All, of, all of my questions yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just directly for you yeah so you probably don't even air it just your own little consultation that's absolutely fine yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah I, I appreciate I'll you come on in whenever you wish <laughs> thank you i'll be so the resident nutritionist yeah i love it <laughs> and thank you ladies so much for listening please tag us in your stories like screenshot your podcast app all of that good stuff let us know you found this helpful maybe eye-opening mind-blowing like you've picked up some tips and keep in touch with me as well like if you have any you know you might make a change from this episode and in a month's time you're like oh my god that podcast I did this and it made such a difference please share like and I'll definitely pass on to Vivian like any any wins any like takeaways from this I would love that yeah and thank you so much you're welcome thanks Kat bye bye I really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, I would love for you to leave me a rating and review on your podcast app, as this helps to support the show and it allows it to reach more people with this valuable information. Come and say hi over on Instagram. I'm at Viva Natural Health. And if you haven't already, check out my website, vivanaturalhealth.co.uk, 
for tons more free resources and to discover how I could support you further. I currently offer one-on-one -on -one consultation packages if you want my top level support, then more affordable group programs and self-paced online courses. So there really is something for everyone. Enjoy the rest of your day and I'll see you back here next week for another episode.